the Soul Life Project. My name is Andy, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Tia, your other co-host. And we like to share the untold stories of entrepreneurs and the mind, body, and soul work that they've done to get where they are today. So on today's episode, we have Morgan. She is the founder of Morgan Swank Studios, bright and bold illustrated paper goods made for the fun and witty human. So when this episode releases, it is going to be around the holidays. And if you're like Andy and I, we do not have family photo cards, or I don't even know if people do that anymore. But anyways, another option is going to Morgan's website, which is in the show notes and picking your holiday cards there. They're super cute guys. She hand does all the illustrations. They're so realistic. It's just, it's a no brainer. You guys have to check out her website. Also not just holiday cards. She does other cards too. So make sure you go check it out. Morgan is not only passionate about her paper goods company, but she's also passionate about people understanding that being creative and being able to pursue different passions is a worthy outlet of their time. All right, let's get into the topics of this episode. We first talk about pursuing passions that don't just bring you a paycheck. Hence the episode title, Importance of Intentionality for Your Business, we do a deep dive into how intentionality was a big key to Morgan's business success. Something that Morgan does and was teaching us and that you can use for your own business is the importance of getting your audience feedback and how that helps her make decisions on what products she creates. And for all those people that are entrepreneurs and have products, Morgan talks all about how to keep product inventory. And finally, she talks a little bit about an Enneagram 5 as an entrepreneur and something Andy said, which I totally agree. She was like, Morgan is the creative and numbers put together. So if we were one person, me and Andy, if we were one person, we would be maybe Morgan. Yes. (laughs) And now here's your episode with Morgan Swank. Well, welcome to the Soul Life Project, Morgan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you are founder of Morgan Swank Studios, illustrated paper goods company, and you like to tell people you are an illustrator at heart and an accidental entrepreneur. Yes, (laughs) that's absolutely true. (laughs) Well, we're excited for you to be here and um, just for our listeners to hear more of your story. But yeah, we would love for you to just introduce yourself, you know, who you are, where you live, maybe what you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Morgan and I live just outside of Richmond, Virginia, and I'm just super passionate about art and creativity. And I think one of the things that I've wanted as an artist is just to be able to share as much art as I can with as many people as I can. And I think that's something that's really like inspired my business is just trying to provide more affordable ways for people to just create connection and share the joy of art with each other through illustrated paper goods. So greeting cards, art prints, etc. And you draw everything on your cards too, correct? Yep. All of it is illustrated and lettered by me and put together and designed. So start to finish. Yeah. So it's really exciting. It's fun to be able to just draw things that I want to draw or before when I've worked in corporate settings, it's like, 
you know, you have a, you have a brief or you're drawing things that other people ask you to do. And it's fun to be able to be like, what do I want to draw for a card? Or what do I want to draw today? Or just be inspired by an image I see and then be able to go from there. And so I really, I really like the flexibility to be able to do that. Andy was saying, I think we were looking through your drawings and cards and she was like, they just like look so real and come to life. So you guys have to check out her, like they're just, they're drawings, but they just look real. Thanks. Yeah. I really like realism has always been a big piece for me. And I started actually when I was really young, my, the story that I like to tell people, because I think this was the first moment that like, I felt like art just like captured my attention was when I was, I think I was like four and we had one of those, like how to draw Mickey and Minnie Mouse books. I don't know. They had like a series, like how to draw Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and all these different um, Disney books. And my dad sat there and like showed me how to draw like the mini based on like, it's like, okay, you make a circle and then you make an oval. And, and it just like blew my mind. Like, I was just like, what? Like you can actually like make things like you can put on a blank paper things that you can see in real life and like it's just like some sort of like connection in my very young brain was like this is like magical to be able to recreate something on a piece of paper and that just like sparked my love of drawing and yeah so I think the the realism aspect is that where I'm like it's always been for me even since I was really young like being able to see something and then recreate it has always brought me a lot of joy oh I feel like you relate to that, Andy. I feel like one of the first memories you told me was you you drawing with chalk in your driveway or something. Yep, Yep, on the driveway. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's when I first knew, I feel like, or the, the story that I can remember when I was little to spark creativity. My mom gave me chalk and she was like, you can go play on the driveway. And I was like, okay. And I would just make all of these designs and I wouldn't let any of my family members park on the, on the highway. I'd be like, you have to park in the street. This is my like masterpiece right here. <laughs> you can't mess this up. This is going to be stuff someday. I just picture a little Andy being like, no, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Cause I was recently just home and I was helping my mom go through her stuff and she has like lots of sentimental things. And I found this like story I wrote, I think it was like a Dr. Seuss, like, you know, taking inspiration from Dr. Seuss. And it was like, the teacher was like, wow, you have a really like great creative mind in writing. And I wouldn't say like, I'm a creative person. I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as that, but it's kind of cool how like full circle now, like I get to write more, whether it's posts for Instagram or we just were um, featured in a magazine where we got to write like an article and just like the show notes. So I think it's always cool how like, as we're young, we don't always know what these, you know, stories or experiences we have, but then they, here they come full circle. So that's really cool. Yeah. I love the, I think a lot of times when we're young, we are more willing to explore and try different things. And then I think as we get older, it seems like there's a lot of narrowing down of like, oh, well, that won't make you money. Or maybe you're not the actual best at that specific thing. And I think we then put a lot of like limits on ourselves to pursue things that are either going to make us a living or, and kind of like ignore things that we might be super passionate about that maybe won't make us money, but bring us um, Mm. joy and give us life. And I think that that's something that I've been I've had to work through as a, as a business owner and something that I tell my friends where it's like, it doesn't like, just because it's not making you a paycheck doesn't mean it's not worthy of your time and attention. And so that's kind of the, the constant thing I have with friends who are like, oh, I want, I want to be more creative, but I don't know if it's worth it. And I'm like, well, if you like it and it brings you joy and you want to do it, like it's worth it. Like 
you don't need to prove it to other people by being like, well, see, it made me X amount of dollars or see, I was, yeah, in this or that. It's like, if, if you enjoy it, like, and it brings you um, happiness, like you should pursue it. Like it's worth pursuing. Amen, sister. Yes. That's think- so good. So true too. It's so true. Yeah. I think Andy helps me with that a lot like thinking through that. I'm always like, how is it producing this? What is the point of it? Why are we doing it? And I just feel like the even, yeah, I feel like even with this podcast, like it's been really like just that it's like really fulfilling and like the things that Andy and the people Andy and I get to meet and just even us working together and creating something together is like really, really fun. And I've like, I'm learning that more too, of just like the creativity process. So it doesn't always have to have like an end result. Yeah. I think we can easily like have the wrong metrics yeah for for success or for things that we should do and I think that it stops a lot of people from just pursuing art if they don't have someone or something creative if they don't have someone who's like cheerleading them on like you said how Andy does for you it's like you need a cheerleader to be like no this is like worthy of time and I think that that's what I have some friends who do that for me and then I try to do that too for my friends and it's like that's how beautiful things end up in the world Um, So it's like, I want more of that. I want more people to be able to understand that being creative and being able to pursue different passions is a worthy, um, a worthy outlet of their time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to dive right in. Are you ready? Yeah. (laughs) It's already so good. I I mean, like we've already just hit the ground running, but (laughs) love it. Okay, so we're going to jump into your story a little bit deeper. So after college, you started working in the design fashion industry. You mentioned to us that you worked overseas, didn't really feel the values fit too much with yourself and the company. You moved back to Virginia. You went through this process of like rediscovering what you wanted to do, what you were passionate about, and then you decided to go on this mission trip. So can you kind of share with us like what happened after that? Yeah. So like you said, I worked in design and um, I thought that that was going to be like the, my path. And I, yeah, had started um, reconsidering that, yeah, working for an overseas company. I, I had lived in the States when working for them and then ended up back in Richmond. And I was kind of going through a time where I was doing freelancing and I'm like, okay, I don't really know what I'm like what my goal is like I'm I'm a big like goal oriented person so I'm like okay well my goal is obviously not pursuing fashion the fashion industry and in a way that I thought it was and so I was just kind of in a season of just doing freelance and trying to figure it out and I had there was a like missions weekend at our church and one of the speakers was somebody that our church supports down in um, Bolivia and they work to help women. They work to help women learn skills so that they can have a viable means of providing for their family other than working in the red light district, so through prostitution. So the lady was talking and she's like, hey, we have a group of artisans. We teach women how to sew and we make handbags and accessories and we sell those. And I was just like, oh, well, I've designed handbags and accessories. Like I know how to make those and make patterns and do design. And I ended up talking with her after, after her presentation. And I'm like, Hey, like if you ever need someone to help design things, like I can come down. And so they were on it. They're like, yes, we'd love that. So I ended up going down there um, for two weeks 
a couple of years ago. And yeah, when I, they, the red light district is in El Alto, Bolivia, which is roughly 14,000 feet above sea level. And then La Paz, which is the capital is about 12,000 feet um, above sea level. And so you're really high up <laughs> in altitude. And I got insanely sick. So a couple of days in, as I, when I was working, I was just like, I don't feel well. Mm -hmm. Things aren't going well. My body just was not dealing well with the altitude. And yeah, so the trip, thank, thank the Lord, we got everything done I needed to get done. But it was just a very harrowing, difficult experience. And I was just like, okay, well, that was weird. I'm glad I was able to help. Kind of bummed that I was super ill. But I thought I would just go back to Richmond and like get on with my own, so to speak. And I got back to Richmond and I remember I was a big runner. And so I remember like going on a run and like my heart rate monitor was going like, like it was off the charts. I'm like, why is like, I cannot, like I cannot keep my heart rate in a good zone. And then I was, I also swam during that time and I'd go and I'm like, I can't, like, I can't breathe. Like when I'm swimming, like I don't know what's happening. And over the course of several months, my health just like slowly declined to the point where I was actually almost bedridden because I had like no energy, brain fog, I insomnia, I couldn't eat. Like there's so many different, my body was just like shutting down on multiple levels and just very inexplicable. I'd go to the doctor and they're like, yeah, things are wrong. Like you, you are testing weirdly on different things, but not enough that that's like the thing. Like they're like, well, that's oh, weird, wow. but not enough to make this happen. And that's weird, but not so it was just kind of this like medical mystery of like, what is happening? What has happened? Why is your body just kind of falling apart? And I'm grateful through over the past, well, yeah, a few years now, God's really been kind to, I think, provide different doctors at different times to be like, okay, I think this is a piece and that's a piece and um, working on a couple of different aspects of health. So what the doctors think now, I'm, I'm working with someone who has been really helpful. And she's actually like, I've seen things like this before. And so she just ran some different tests and she's, and it was like, oh yeah, these tests show that you have like mold, like ex overexposure to mold. And so mold poisoning essentially, and some chemical buildup. And then essentially what the, she believes and what I think holds true is that I was having some problems before Bolivia with my health. And then whatever happened there just kind of like pushed me over the edge. And then my body just couldn't, most people, if they were, had like a normal, healthy body, what happened in Bolivia, they would have been able to recover from, but I, my body wasn't healthy enough to do that. And so then some of the things that I was dealing with, like some of the mold that I think I had been, I had before I was just, my body was able to compensate for after getting really ill, my body just couldn't compensate anymore. So there's like several different things like that, where ultimately it's understandable that doctors couldn't figure it out because there were so many different, all of the things combined at once, but there were multiple different problems that just all converged. So they're like, we don't know what to do with all of the symptoms. So yeah, so that's kind of where I am now. So I, um, yeah, I'm working with a doctor that I, I really like, but it's been just like a journey because you know, it's, it's not like, oh, you just take a pill and you get better. It, it's definitely there's ups and downs and there's flares for some of the different things that I am experiencing or things that have developed off of my original illnesses. So yeah, so it's been a, it's been a journey of just like trusting the Lord that he has a plan and also realizing like, sometimes it's like, okay, how do I, this is, it feels like a lot to balance like chronic illness. And then during back after leaving Bolivia, feeling like God was calling me to start my own business. So it felt like this weird, like simultaneous of like, okay, I don't really have a ton of energy and this is where I'm at. But then I also feel like God's calling me to like 
to start my own business and to like pursue this. So that balance has always been a little bit, I think there's been a lot of, I think it's good tension because I think for me, I'm a, like, I like to achieve and I like to perform well and I like to like throw all, all, all I am into a project. And I think what it's done is it's had, it's helped me step back and sometimes be like, you know what, I, I'm not the one who can ultimately like make my business be successful or run. And I, I can do good things and I can do like the right steps, but ultimately I have to trust that God's the one who's working and that he's going to provide for me and that he's going to give me energy when I need it. And then I have to lay down a lot of things that I, I can't do because I don't have energy for. Yeah, that's good. That's how... How just like with the unknowing of your chronic illness and like all of that, how did you like just handle all of that emotionally, your walk with God of being like, what the heck? Because like, you know, as Christians and people who believe it can be like, you know, you pray about it. You're like, give me answers, send me the right doctors. But you are still, you feel like you have some answers, but you're still figuring out. So how are you handling all of that? Some days better than others. I think at the start, there were like a lot of questions. And I think one of the things that I've had to wrestle with is like, okay, what happens if like you pray that God would like heal you or like at least heal you either miraculously or through conventional means. And if like that, that prayer isn't answered the way that you want it to. And I think I had to, I think there there was a lot of wrestling with like, okay, what does it mean? Um, Like, what does it mean that I'm trusting God in this situation? And I think you know, especially as an American who lives in a very prosperous society on the whole, I think I've realized where sometimes that like prosperity gospel of like, if I do the right things, good things will happen to me mindset. I can, some I can unintentionally take on. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, why did this, you know, why did this happen to me? Or, you know, there should be a way to fix this or all these different things. But I think I've realized I mean there were there was a period where I was angry you know there's like all the stages of like grief you kind of yeah. like you know anger denial depression like you, you kind of cycle through um cycle through those but I think the one thing that I've had to like rest on is it's like okay do I actually believe like what God says that God is who he says he is and that he is working this for my good and that he's going to he's going to care and provide for me, even if that looks very different than what I had desired or hoped it to be. And that I'm not living like my second best life, like where I am now is the best place I can be. Cause this is where, this is where God has me and he's going to sustain me through, through this form of suffering. So I, I think wow. it, it sounds better when I say it than like the actual process I feel like is very messy involves like a lot of tears and sometimes some like yelling and then just you know, wrestling even with friends and, and their understanding of illness as sometimes I'm like, okay, I think other people get really uncomfortable with my sickness because they're also like, well, how, like there should be a way to like get you better. There should be more answers or, and realizing, okay, like you're also wrestling. It's hard when you see people and you're like, I don't understand how this can be happening. But I think through it all, I've also been encouraged because I've seen how like I've grown, not only just like my relationship with God personally, but like how I relate to others in suffering. Mm-hmm. I think I had a very narrow view of like, like, I, like I won't ever say I was a non, not a compassionate person before this, but I, I think I could be like, well, these are just some things that I think that person could change and then their life would mm-hmm. be better. Or, you know, I, unintentionally I would have like, well, I have the answer or, or, oh, this person should be doing this or, well, that's sad, but blah, blah, blah. And 
I think what I've realized is now from where I am, where I've, you know, for several years, every, my health was a complete mystery. There were really no answers that I realized. I'm like, you know what? Everybody is going through things that I don't even see. Like half the time I wouldn't tell people all the things I was going through or the struggles I was having. You know, I had a few good friends that I was very open with and shared everything with, but then there were a lot of people that I'm like, I, I can't go there and share all this with you. And then realizing, I'm like, you know what? There's probably a lot of people that I'm engaging with are the same way to me, where they're going through a ton of stuff and they don't have the capacity or the ability to engage and like tell me all that's going on. And so I feel like that my compassion for other people, whatever space they're in in life is like, you know what? I don't need to like, I don't need to think in my mind, oh yes, that's hard to have compassion for them. Like wherever they are, if they're struggling and they're like, you know, I'm having a bad day. It's like, that's valid. And you don't need to tell me all the reasons why for me to then be like, I'm sorry, or to provide comfort. So I think that's something that I've learned. I just think that's a great roadmap for anybody that is going through someone or or something or has gone through something, uh, a chronic illness or or cancer, anything like that. What you just explained is, yes, it's going to be messy, but you know that God has this plan for you and you're not going to, even with the messy days, it doesn't mean that that diminishes that plan that he has for you. Like it's, it's up and down. It's never going to be this linear line to, to being better. Right. But yeah, I think for anybody out there listening that has gone through something, I mean, Morgan's story is is it. It's it's something to be inspired by, I would say. Yeah, or feel seen. And I was going to say, too, something that you mentioned just when you were talking that I think just all of us really could think about. But what you said is like being open to my life, not looking like exactly the way that I planned, whether you've got, you have a chronic illness or you have or haven't gone through something really tough. I think that like you were saying, like we have a lot of freedom and a lot of independency and a lot of resources and just living in America and right. We can just plan like, this is my plan. My, this is who I want to be married to. This is how many kids is my job, how I want to make income. And kind of like you were saying, you've been forced to like open up your just heart and faith and journey to be like, all right, this is not what I planned, but I can still, it's not like my second best life. Like you were saying, I love like how you said that. It's like, I can, like, how am I still being used today? How is God still, you know, using my story? And so, yeah, I think just you got you sharing that and being on our podcast can be like Andy said, just like an inspiration and just someone to be like, Hey, I'm going through this. Like, like you were saying it is messy too. So like, how do you handle this? Like on your bad days, like, sometimes I feel like I can't get out of bed you know like you are that you can be that person now for people to reach out to be like you know because not everyone has those experiences yeah and I think I realized that too because for so yeah I got sick in July of 2017 so it's been a little over four years now and for the past few years like like I haven't been able to like even like I would never have been on a podcast and talked about it. So I feel like there's times I was even talking to someone the other day. I'm like, okay, there are times when you're going through something and you can't share what's happening. And then it's encouraging when other people are a place where they can share. And I think that's like you said, what I, what I'd hope if people are listening is like, I've gotten to a place where I can share, 
and like express what's happening, but like, it's okay if you're not there. I think there's times when people want us to open up and we're not ready to open up to mm -hmm. a wider audience. And I think especially now with, or even people in business where they're like, well, what, what has shaped you is like part of your story of your business. And, and I was talking with someone and she's like, but I don't like, I don't want to be the sick person. And I'm, you know, I can't like go back there. And I'm like, you know, you don't, you don't need, you don't owe people your story. <laughs> I think is, and that sounds bad, but like, if you're going through something incredibly painful, like it's not, you don't have to give that to other people. Like it's your choice whether to share or not. But like, don't push yourself to be in a place to share if you're not able to share out of like a, like a freedom to share. I don't know exactly how yeah, to express no, it. Yeah, no, that's before, so like, good. I didn't, yeah. have this, I didn't have that freedom. I couldn't, I couldn't engage in this sort of like conversational dialogue with people about it outside of a few close people. And so I think that's my encouragement to people is like, don't push yourself, like talk about it with people who are close to you, but like, don't push yourself to go public in a way, if you don't have the bandwidth or the energy or the mental capacity, like you don't need to do that. You don't need to make your story, your chronic illness or whatever suffering you've gone through. That doesn't have to be your platform. There's so many other things that make you unique and you. And I think for people, it can be encouraging to have people who are out there sharing, but don't force yourself to, to have to be that person right now. Yeah, that's so good. And I think especially with social media these days, like you can feel like, oh, like, let me, it's almost like, trendy to be vulnerable now because it attracts more mm -hmm. likes but like you're saying that's such great advice of having boundaries to say like did I go to my close people and talk this over am I ready to did I even process like you had four years to process this and made your own personal decision to share this but like you're saying like take the time to heal on your own talk to your close people don't just like put it on social media and everyone's different but I think that is like you said like really really great advice to like truly ask yourself like am I ready to share this you know and people listening you know our podcast is about empowering and inspiring but like you were ready to share that and and just because you shared your story that was inspiring to someone who might relate doesn't mean that the listener has to go out now and be like my story needs like that may your be your journey or that may not so I love that you said that just because we are all about that so it can like you're saying it could make f people feel like oh I'm not there yet like you know but you may or may not get there. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, yeah. And I, like I said, I think, I think it is encouraging when people share their, their stories. But yeah, I think I had that pressure on myself, especially in business. So they're like, well, what's like shaped and defined you? It's like, well, like suffering and illness has had a huge piece in that. But that's not like the ultimate platform that I was, that wasn't what I was like bringing to my platform for a long time. And now it's like, okay, I can add this in as a piece to be open in a place that I'm healthier and able to talk like both I'm feeling healthier and also feel like I'm emotionally, I'm in a healthier place to, mm -hmm. to like bring that into my business in a way that isn't like overall defining me, but it's also like, like you said, like offering a way to be like, Hey, you're other people out there. Like you're not alone in your, your hard experiences. Mm -hmm. Good. In the journey or in the process of you figuring out that you had this illness and going through messy days and stuff like that, how was it, was there like a defining moment or like a certain moment where you're like, okay, I need to be intentional with what I'm doing from here on out to feel better about myself? I don't know if I've had like a single moment. I think it's constantly like holding it in tension where 
I can be both, I, I feel like we can, we can, this is something I'm working on in therapy. <laughs> but like, so yes, therapy girl. is good. Um, we, we promote therapy all the time, so. But it's like, okay, the life isn't just like all good feelings or all bad feelings. Like they're mixed together. And so it's like, you know, I can simultaneously be sorrowful about my life situation and what's happening, but that like, it doesn't need to define all of the things I do. And like, it doesn't need to color all the things I do. And I also have like good things that are happening as well. So like, yes, this is like Mm -hmm. a big pillar of my life. And I think that the times where it can be easy to get bitter or look inward is when I stop looking outward and seeing the things that have been provided or the things that are encouragements or blessings. Like for me, I I really, my family's really great and they're super supportive. And, and then I have some good friends, like good friends that are supportive. And then like when some things go well in my business, it's like, okay, I, I can oftentimes have a like, well, it isn't, yeah, it isn't that like life that I imagined it to be. Like I compare it to that as opposed to sitting back and going like, okay, can I actually look at my life and can I like name the good things that are happening and the blessings I've received? And like, you know what? It's, it could be even something like super small. Like, you know, I love the sunshine and, Mm -hmm. you know, and be like, you know what? I'm thankful for like a good sunny day or, you know, just things like that. I think it seems simple to just be like, well, you should be thankful. But I think like really thinking through like, okay, what, what is something that I can be thankful for? Like right now, Mm -hmm. like in the present, like, just pick something and like sometimes it'd be hard I'd, I'd be sitting there and like and my dog was like a huge um piece of my life for a couple of years and I was like well I'm gonna thank I'm gonna thank the Lord for my dog again and we're just gonna like and I was just like thank, like okay just need like thank you Lord for my dog and like not as like not that I I didn't have the feelings of thankfulness because of all the things that were going on but mm. I knew like my dog was a gift and so it's like okay I just need to like verbally say like, thank you for my dog. And like, make those points of, I think, letting, telling myself the truth that like, there are good things happening. There are blessings in life. And yeah, like, they might not be exactly the same blessings that I, I, I'd i have hoped for at this point. But my life isn't just a wasteland of despair, which, you know, I think we can get to when mm-hmm. things aren't going the way we want. All of a sudden, you're like, it's all over. Everything's just bad. You know, rain clouds are out, everything's gloomy. And, and it's like, in reality, that's actually not true. And there, there are blessings around us and good gifts. And I, I think that's been a piece. I'm curious, do you have a rhythm or, a, you know, a certain way that you, you give gratitude? Is it, you know, just to share with people who are like, oh, I should do that more. Or, you know, like, I don't have a cadence of it. I should be better at like doing it every day. But do you personally have? I think I, mine usually happens like when I'm praying. So I'll like, when I pray, like, I think there's a lot of times we could pray where we're like, maybe this is just me, but like, I can just be like, okay, this is like the list of things I, we can pray for like a list of things we want. Yeah. Like a genie. And it's like, you know, yeah, which is totally not who God is, but we can kind of make him that in our minds. And I remember somebody telling me once, like, okay, before you ask for anything, like, like start with something you're like, you're grateful, like, you're grateful for. And I think that that is helpful. It's like, okay, Lord, like it it helps reframe like from a place of like, I need something to like, okay, you have given me something. I'll get an order. And it's just like, thank you, Lord, for an order. Like just reminding myself that when good things happen, that they, they do come from God. And 
that if I'm excited about something, it's like, okay, how, okay, I'm excited. Like who is giving me this and how can I be like, can I just express that even out loud? Yeah, that's good. I do this with my, so I teach little kids in golf and we do our gratitude list before we start practice. I just feel like it's a great way to just get your mind right. And in the beginning, so I've been doing this for the last four months with them. And in the beginning, like they couldn't even come up with two or three things to write down and they're not used to thinking of the good in their life. And then by the end of it, one of the girls was like, Oh yeah, I already wrote down like seven things. And I'm like, see, this is, this is great. This is awesome. This is what we wanted to accomplish from it. So I think a good thing too is you don't always have to write it down. Kind of like you were saying, you kind of can just say like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm just so grateful for this right now. Like just saying it out loud is just another way to do it. I love that. And I was even going to say to like our listeners, you know, a lot of them are entrepreneurs and very driven, like all of us. And I think even just stating that gratitude, at least for me too, of that anxiousness of like, I'm not there yet. I see so much more potential. We could be here of like, you know what? Thank you for this conversation today. Or thank you for, like you said, a card that someone ordered. Like, of course you have bigger dreams than someone purchasing one card, but just to like, you know, calm your anxiousness of like, oh, I'm not there yet or comparison or all these things. I think like you're saying gratitude is a really great way to just like, wow, thank you for what I do have and what you have given me, you know? So I think we can all, all people and especially in entrepreneurship can practice that because you focus on more, you focus less on like what you don't have and where you aren't, where you aren't at and more on like where you are and what you do have. Right. And that really can change your perspective a lot, I think. Yeah. And I think it can take the pressure off. Mm. I've noticed as I've like been more grateful of like where I'm at, I think it gives me space to like mentally be (laughs) in my, especially like in my business, um, specifically as an entrepreneur, like I think a lot of times my brain can be focused on like, where am I going? What am I doing? Like, how am I going to get there? As opposed to being like, okay, where is my business at now? And how can I best to like utilize the resources and tools I have now? I think some of my best like work has actually like come out of that because it's not out of like this pressure cooker of like, I just have Mm. to keep creating. And it's like, you know, let's just like slow it down and like enjoy the moment and then be in the moment and create in the moment. And then I think from that things seem to, things have flourished for more from that. That's where the magic happens. (laughs) So something that bonded me and Andy and a reason why we started this podcast and something you align with is just intentionality and something that you put in your application, which I just want to read because I think it's a really great, it's quotable and it's just, you know, easy to stick to the mind. But you mentioned that intentionality is the key to every moment of your day because there's only so much energy to go around and making decisions that align with your life priorities is a daily thing. And I think that we can all live by this and something that we just want to empower and inspire people is intentionality and, you know, what does align with your life. But I think we can learn from you when it comes to this. How did you shift this mindset to being like every day, every moment is intentionality? Because it's easy to say that, but because you were forced to just be intentional, how, you know, can you teach us on just like what that looked like for (laughs) shifting your mind and then putting it into action? Yeah, I think, I think a piece of this is I feel like we all have things that are like, oh, I want to do more of that, or I want to do more of this, or I like, I like that, and I think I want to do that, or, you know, friends are like, oh, I'd love to start a business, but I just don't have the time, or, and all of those things can be true, but I think what I've realized is 
if like what you love, you're going to put time in and you can love multiple things, but there's something that's going to win out over something else. And so I think that's when I think part of the intentionality is being honest with yourself in a way where it's like, you know what, there are things that you can love to do, but you, if you love something more than that, you're going to give your time to the thing that you love the most. And I think that's a good way to like, look at your calendar. Like, I think I started with like looking at my calendar and like, where do I spend my time? Because that's really telling people what I love. And it's reinforcing to me the things that I love. And sometimes that can be people pleasing. I mean, honestly, like sometimes things are on our calendar. It's like, well, I'm doing a lot of things that other people have asked me to that I didn't want to. Like, mm. and then it's like, well, maybe I'm dealing with like a lot of people pleasing. And I'm, and that's where, that's the thing that I want the most is affirmation from other people. So like, is that really the thing that I want to spend my life doing? And I think that's where you can get clues. I think the calendar is where you can get clues of like, okay, what am I valuing the most? And then I think you can reverse engineer that a bit to be like, okay, what are the things that I do? These are the things that maybe I value that I didn't realize I valued, or maybe are the things that I don't want to actually value. And then how can I reserve time and put those on my calendar and then be really careful about adding other things in? Because there's always going to be calls on our time and there's always going to be more to do than time we have. And I think that essentialism, um, the book Essentialism by Greg McNone, I don't remember his last name. <laughs> He's like, we're always making choices. And sometimes we pretend like we're not going to make a choice, but ultimately somebody's going to make a choice for us, or you're just going to make the choice of not doing something because you didn't act on it. So he's like, you're never going to get out of a life of making choices. Um, you're either going to actively be making choices for things that you want to do, or you're going to passively be making choices because you're just going to fall into things or other people are going to choose what you spend your time on. And I think that that's really helpful, especially for people if people have problems with making decisions to realize like, it's not, you're not not making a decision. <laughs> By not choosing to make a decision, that is actually a choice. So how about we come to the table and sit down and be like, what are things that are actually important to me? And I think that's how I've been able with my business and chronic illness. And I have a part-time job. It's been, and it's a constant struggle. Like I'm constantly having to look at my calendar and be like, okay, what is on this? What should be on this? And are these things that are on my calendar aligning to the things, to the goals that I have in in for my life or things that I love to do. Intentionality course coming from Morgan Swank coming soon. <laughs> Purely because when you have like zero energy, you're like, I got to make every ounce count. <laughs> and that's, yeah. And I think like, I think that's a thing to be thankful for. I think that's a gift that came out of being ill is I feel like I've been able to be a little bit more like, okay, what do I what do I want? What do I believe? How is that affected in my calendar? And there's not a lot of margin for error. So that's been a gift to be able to do that and to be more focused. So we're going to talk about entrepreneurship a little bit more because we have a lot of listeners that are entrepreneurs or thinking about being entrepreneurs. And so for those that are product focused, what is your process or strategy for creating products your customers will want to buy? Yeah. So I think what I've realized lately is how much, how important getting your audience's um, insight is into the building of your, your products. So especially when I started, I'm like, you know, I'm, I wanted to create a greeting card line. So I'm like, we're going to start 
and I'm just going to make stuff. And it was more an, on a personal basis. I would like bring things to friends and be like, do you like this? Do you not like this? You know, like people that mm. had good taste. <laughs> I would be like, hey, what do you think about this? And then like, I would actively be seeking feedback because things can happen. And especially as a designer, which probably not any like in your brain, sometimes it's like, this looks great. And people are like, that's weird. Like you know, that happens to me a lot. So I think the the ability to make products that people want to buy is making sure that I'm not, I think sometimes artists can be, they can equate themselves with their art. So like, if you're saying something bad about their art, you're essentially saying something bad about the artist, Yeah, which can be hard for people. I thankfully that like, hasn't usually been a gear for me. So I've been able to separate myself from my, my products. I mean, until somebody maybe says something really bad and then maybe I'll start crying, but like, you know, like, <laughs> but like, there's, I think there's a, a need to be like, okay, I like this, but I need to see, is this something that other people are also resonating with? So I think there's a humility in asking for people's mm. opinions and not being like, I am the knower of all things that are good and right <laughs> and good design. Like, okay, I know good pieces, but I need to take the feedback from other people. So again, have, having a group of different people that I know who are, who have good taste, I just like, will send them things and be like, what do you think? And honestly be like, I want to know what you think. This isn't a, like, this isn't a, a text for you to then tell me back how wonderful I am. Like that's, right. and thankfully I have friends who are, who are really good about being like, you know, that looks weird. That, that seems odd. I don't know if that would be a good caption and that refining process. And then now that I have a pretty active group on Instagram um, who follows me I will put stuff out there and it's been really great I'll if I'm thinking up an idea I'll be like hey guys what do you think I should do between these two or like would you be more interested in um, this or that or and I'll, I'll put polls I'll and then what I'll do is one thing that was really fun was when I released washi tape I came up with a couple designs and then I was like okay which one do you like the most leave me any comments or like DM me you know anything that you think might be work better. And then we actually, I felt like the, my Instagram followers and I like went through this process of design together. And then I would go back and cause I'm a data person as an NEM gram five, I'm like all about, all about the numbers here. And I'd go back and I'd be like, well, this is like, this is interesting about like how people voted and like the people who voted for this, like this more. And, and so I kind of took people behind the scenes and I found that doing that with different products before I launch them has been invaluable because I think people feel, and rightfully so, they've helped to design some of these mm -hmm. products. So they have they have a, a stake in it and they feel right. ownership um, of that. But I think that's that's the way that I've noticed, especially um, in the past like year, year and a half or so has been really helpful for my, helpful to create products that people want to buy is when I actually ask them what do you want to buy? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like a hard process, like creating buy-in. I think that's something me and Andy are working on with the podcast. It's just like from the design to the topics to the guests, because it's like, you know, there's two of us. So we're like, you know, we want to talk to Morgan. Like she has a cool story and like sticking to your mission, sticking to what you like to do, what you like to draw, what you like to design. But at the same time, it's like not just for you. So like, like you said, learning to have that humility and not be offended and like shifting, but it's like yours. So it is like a hard process to kind of like go through and like take feedback. But like, you know, again, like if you want to be successful, you have to get buying and feedback from the people. So that's really, that's really great advice. We want to get a little more technical 
and you guys will see this Zoom video, a little clip, but you can see back here, her inventory is just so great and organized. But for people who do have those product-focused businesses, how do you, like, what is your process for keeping inventory, reordering, all of that? Yeah, so as you can tell, I have a ton of shelves behind me. So that's usually my, I, I need to make sure and have especially with a lot of like little paper goods, stickers, et cetera, just making sure that everything has its place and like, like items are grouped together. Again, I'm, again, something I'm grateful for is that I have this room over the garage that a lot of people, a lot of people who are makers have smaller spaces, but I think that there's really spending time and money in organization of your product so that you know where things are and how many you roughly that you have of something is essential to running a business. So I think having, for me, having things out on the shelves and then reorder is always tough. It's one of those things where like, I think I'm in a good spot with all my cards and then like somebody buys something for like a subscription box and I'm like, well, I don't have that many. <laughs> and so then it's like, well, so I, th I think for me, it's also like, okay, what are, when I have like lead times, okay, how, how much of a lead time do I need for my printer for X amount of products or something I was telling someone the other day is like, Oh, how many do you choose? How many do you keep on hand? And you know, people were throwing out, it was in a Facebook group and people were throwing out different numbers. Like, well, I keep 50, I keep X amount, I keep this. And I'm like, well, numbers really don't mean anything outside of a context, right? <laughs> it's just a number. So, you know, if you get us, I'll look at something and be like, okay, on average, you know, people buy X amount of this per order. I get X amount of orders over this amount of time frame. How long does that essentially mean that I have of that product? And then I'll go through, okay, like if it takes, so like for cards, take for cards, I have like a seven day, it takes seven days for me to get my cards in for my printer. That is perfect. That's enough time for me to get an order and fulfill it for wholesale. So I'll keep a lower amount. I'll keep enough in stock to fulfill several you know, small to medium size orders, knowing that I can get a faster turnaround. But if your printer or something you're doing takes months and you're like, hey, I sell, you know, 10 a month and I only have 30 left in stock, well, make sure that you're ordering, make sure that you're backdating. So it's okay, if it takes a month and I only have 30 left in stock and I sell 10 a month, then, you know, in two months, like buying it in two months is probably going to be a little late because I'll probably be out of stock by the time it comes in again. So I think giving yourself that buffer, but I think that's where spreadsheets and kind of like knowing your numbers, which, you know, grows over time. So at first you don't have any like metrics because you're new. And so, but building those systems where you can go back and be like, okay, how many cards do I normally sell of this skew? How many sticky notes sets, you know, when is, what do I sell more of over Christmas time? So like, you know, I buy more Christmas cards for whole, cause I sell boxes for retail. So that, that's eight a box. So I end up buying more because I know in retail, it's a faster turnaround time um, and I set larger quantities in boxes. So I just make sure that before I launch them in October, I have a, enough to get me through the holiday season. You're like creative and the back end with the data and all that. Like that's those five fours. <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, I'm a five, six. Okay. So, so I'm also a worrier. That's the problem. <laughs> like, um, oof. She's got the creative and the and the numbers going for her. I gotta work real hard on the number game. <laughs> That's why we have each other, though. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, you guys are have this good synergy. I think ultimately it's weird because like I I love being creative and making things, but like like data and all of that is like 
the thing that like, I just love information as a five, you know, five, I'm like, I just want more information. So building those backend yeah, tools and things I think are helpful. And also just, yeah, I think being on top of, even if you start a business and you're like, Hey, I want somebody else to come in and start packing orders or do stuff for inventory. I, I, I'm not there yet, but I think that it's important that if you own your business, that you know, all the pieces that go into your business. Cause I think if you, I think some people have like the blessing slash curse of scaling really fast and not having some of those systems in place. And it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of times it's like everything's out of, <laughs> out of stock you. or, ever, you know, it's just chaos. And I think that's another blessing that has come from being ill and the pandemic is being able to like design things. So you sell products on Etsy, correct? Not correct. I sell a few products on Etsy. Most of the stuff is on my website. Do you have any tips to let our listeners know if they do have something on Etsy? Okay. So yeah. So my Etsy story is a short one. I start in 2015 when I was still working a corporate job, I'm like, I'm going to make some greeting cards, which this is again, before I even thought about being a greeting card designer, I just threw some stuff on greeting cards. I thought, I'll just sell them on Etsy because that's what you can do, right? Well, wrong. Things don't just like usually sell on Etsy. Thankfully, I had another job at that time because I sold nothing. So I, I listened to a couple of podcasts on Etsy SEO, and then I've used the free tool called eRank. I think it's eRank.com. And you can go and it will actually like audit your postings and like kind of give you suggestions for keyword searching and mm-hmm. um, like what what's in the green area of like, you know, high searches, low, low amount of products in return for that. And then what are like high searched keywords with high, high returns or what are the, or then also like, what are things that people search that there's really nothing for? And then you try to blend, you know, obviously have a blend of those um, and then make sure you're just make sure you're using the full functionality right, of right. the back end to be able to generate, generate those organic sales. But yeah, highly recommend, yeah, the listening to a couple podcasts on um, search engine optimization for Etsy and then using eRank. Those are definitely helpful. I mean, hey, you made sales and like you don't, you like you said, you're not actively marketing it. And so get on that SEO people. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the Enneagram because we have a lot of Enneagram lovers. We're Enneagram lovers. And you mentioned a couple times that you are a five with a wing six. So we've just been learning a lot about fives and they're really like, as you can hear, she's very researched. She's your girl. And you're like, what do I do for this? Where? They really have this skill. I feel like fives really do have this skill of like knowing how to research. Like it is a thing, like how to figure out what you're looking for. And that's something that I've admired about fives in my life. But what is a like one strength and maybe one weakness you've seen as an entrepreneur, as a five in your business? Yeah, I think as a, yeah, as a five, I think I'll, I'll start with the weakness. I think the the downfall of the five is always feeling like you're going to run out of resources. And so it's always like resource protect is like a big piece of being a five or it's like, I don't know if I'll have enough energy or I don't know if I'll have enough, enough knowledge or there's always that fear of the unknown. And they, I think one of the things I was like, fives know all the things that they don't know <laughs> and it's overwhelming. And so I think that it can be overwhelming in business because I, I can see, um, I can see all of the things that I don't know about running a business. And then I can feel vastly underqualified to be doing this. And I think that that's something I have to fight and just be like, you know what? You figured it out before <laughs> and you're, and you're good at research. But I think the downside is just, I think that imposter syndrome, because you feel like that weight of like, I don't actually know what I'm doing. And I'm just like, I'm just 
you know, buffering myself with tons of research and, and trying to make sure that that's like going to get me to where I want to go. So I think that's a downside of being a five in business is just like knowing what you don't know and being overwhelmed by that. I think something that is helpful is that I am pretty, I'm pretty logical. And so I can usually, if something comes up, I can usually run through the pro cons of doing stuff or not doing things Mm -hmm. very quickly. And then if there's something that I want to do, I've just always, I've, been able to just sit there and like I could if somebody's like well how do we do this I could sit down and like make you a list of how to get from a to, like point a to b mm. and then I'm like wow after I like <laughs> generate that list that's way too much work but I think it's helpful because I, I think it helps again with like making sure I'm intentional which again so it's probably part of a personality thing is being able to just like hone in on like the pieces of how things work and then pursuing that so I think that's I think that's what's helpful about about being a five that's good we like, okay, so this is, we're going to go back to the greeting card thing a little bit as an entrepreneur. We know that you offer to write like a personal message in these greeting cards. And we think a handwritten note goes a long way, you know, especially in today's society where people aren't really doing that as much. It's like their go-to is to get on social media and DM the person or whatever. So how have you seen these messages impact you as you are the one writing them for somebody else? Yeah, I think it's just really cool just to see other people like reaching out and caring for one another. During the pandemic, I had somebody buy a few. And so he, he like paid me to write cards so like these women just being like you know I prayed for you like my family prayed for you we're thinking about you you know we hope that you're doing okay during like and it was just one of those things where I'm like writing these cards and I'm like this is so sweet like like that somebody is like taking something like writing a card to like he wouldn't have been able to contact them in any other way and he's like you know I got your name from this list at your church and I just wanted you know you to know that like my family's prayed for you and like we've thought about you and yeah, I mean, it kind of makes me almost want to choke up because like, yeah, it's like really mean. like, I'm like, wow, like somebody got a card from somebody they didn't know mm-hmm. and right. um, telling them that they were, they were remembered. And I think that that's part of what I love about cards. And when I've received cards, it's like, like being like, oh, somebody's like thought about me and remembered me and actually has taken the time and yeah, so it's been a fun, and I feel like I get some of that like residual joy, just kind of yeah, like, yeah. I was like, oh, this is fun. I'm sending somebody a birthday card. And like, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I started it at the beginning of the pandemic because I was like, you know, I think people are really lonely. I mean, I think we all were lonely in our own spheres. And I was like, you know, this is a way that I can, you know, provide a service for people because I have plenty of stamps and I've got the cards and the envelopes. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, people don't need to go out and try to, I think that was always hard. It's like people like, well, I don't have a stamp or I don't have this. like, you know what? Just you take the time to pick out the card and write the sentiment and I will, I will send it off for you. So. So we want to give you some time just to talk specifically just about like your business and the more so the products. And you do have a website where you said that's where you sell most of your products. And we talked about greeting cards a lot, but you have other, other things and you do customizations and you do even commission work. So yeah, we'd love for our listeners to learn more about that. Yeah. So I tell people I make bright and bold illustrated paper goods for the fun and witty human. Um, (laughs) So if you buy from me, you are automatically both fun and witty. So congratulations. So all of my products are kind of like good for gifting as well. I think that's a big piece of it too, is like being able to like provide a thoughtful gift. So I do, I have a ton of greeting cards. I also do like vinyl stickers. 
um, which are great gifts, especially for kids and yeah, or even for adults. I have a ton on my water bottle mm-hmm. right now. And then I have washi tape and sticky note pads and notepads. And then I just released a few weeks ago planners and notebooks. So I have like 2022 20, planners and then lined and unlined notebooks for people. So all the things, guys. I'm telling you, you have to buy one of these greeting cards. They are gorgeous. Gorgeous. Like that coffee one that you did the other day or you put on your Instagram and I was like, that just makes me want to go drink a cup of coffee right now. Like this looks so real. It's amazing. All right. Well, we have ending questions that we always like to ask all of our guests. But before we do that, is there anything else that you want to share that we haven't shared or haven't talked I about? I don't. I don't think so. I've enjoyed chatting with you guys. Yes, girl, you killed it. This is this is probably one of my favorites. Yes. Um, our first ending question that we like to ask is, we know that taking small steps in your business can lead to bigger dreams. So what is the next best step for you in your business? Yeah, actually, I realized that I wanted to do more just engaging with people who purchase my product. So since I gained a little bit of energy back, I applied to several markets for this fall, which has, I mean, last year there were none because of COVID, but I've been a little bit wary of doing that just because of energy output. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm ready. So a big step, which is nerve wracking for me, but I have a couple markets lined up and one in Richmond and then, or two in Richmond and then one in DC over the season. So that feels like a, for me, it's a stretch and it's a step a little bit out of my comfort zone. I've done a few markets before, but never with this many product or this many in one season. So that's, that's the like next, that's the next step for me. That's exciting. Very cool. Very exciting. So we love connecting our community in real life and even on the internet. So if you're in the Richmond, Virginia area, or just you want to connect through her Instagram page, why should our community reach out to you and what is the best way? Yeah, well, you can reach out to me if anything I've said resonated with you. I do love to share information (laughs) as a five. I love packing information. So um, if you have questions or even if you're like, Hey, that describes me, or you feel some sort of connection, I'd love to chat. I'm available. Primarily Instagram is the best platform to reach me on. And I'm at Morgan Swank studio and you can DM me on there and I'm, I'm pretty active, active there. So I'd love to chat. Perfect. And then our last question, we like it to be fun, but we know being passionate about something takes a lot of energy and we want to know what you do outside of making these beautiful greeting cards that re-energizes you. Yeah. So I think there's different, there's a lot of different things. (laughs) Multi-passionate, but I think one of my, I, I really like to watch professional cycling, the bizarre ones, but yeah, so I enjoy watching like grand tours and um, following professional cycling. And so, and it's a great, the races are long. And so they're the perfect time to like sit down and I like to draw while I'm watching mm. so it's kind of a enjoyable um, experience. And I've gotten some family members into it. So we're kind of like a professional cycling fan, little fan group. So and it's a very niche fan group. Like if it people is. see that I enjoy cycling, they're like, oh, I like cycling too. Like there's so few of us, I think, especially in the States that like when somebody, <laughs> we find each other. So if you like professional cycling, please reach out to me. I'd love to. <laughs> so. That is great. 
that. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for being on our podcast. And we just want to say you should always say yes to the podcast and get out in your markets because you have a story to tell. You're really personable. And, you know, it's easy to connect with you. I felt like this conversation was. And of course, you're um, full of knowledge and expertise. So say yes to the podcast and hopefully we can visit you sometime in Richmond. So, but yeah, thank you for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, definitely come to Richmond and we can hang out. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Morgan, for being on the Soul Life Project and getting out of your comfort zone to be on our podcast. You should always say yes to the podcast. You were great. And don't forget to get all of your card needs at Morgan Swank's website, which is in the show notes. Yes. And if you guys would just take five minutes out of your day to share one of the, our episodes with a friend. It really, really helps other people find this whole life project. See you next time.